The Sci-Fi Film Podcast is a Thrave Productions podcast. The Sci-Fi Film Podcast. Welcome to the Cyphora Film Podcast. I am always have been and may always will be, depending on my mood at the time, Andy Walker. Uh, and I am here with my son Scott. Hello, Scott. Hello there. Hello. By the way, you were saying that is that your mood called Andy Walker, or is you are called Andy? Walker? No, well, I'm called Andy Walker, but sometimes the mood. I mean, I want to be called Eric or. Cedric or, mm. <laughs> or uh, just Ricardo just Eric. or just like one one name like Cher and Adele and stuff like that. It's just what one name. Ricardo, that's quite a good name. <laughs> Eduardo Caravanet. Famed famed orchestra well, famed band leader. You never heard of him? I don't know, probably. It's a, it's a great, they're a great band. Eduardo Caravanet and the Fly Marimba Sisters. They're, uh, I think you have told me about this before. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a great band. They do these sort of uh, Latin style uh, cover versions of Slayer. Um, Yes, so, uh, yeah, so anyway, yes, we're doing film um, reviews, remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're here for. Why wouldn't we be here for that? I don't know. Anyway, so yes, we've done uh, two short films and an another one that's longer. <laughs> I don't know what's the matter with me tonight, I really don't. I think I still think that maybe we were right, and we should do this in the uh, all, all, all of this entire show, either in sign language or mime. It wouldn't yeah, be great I, for people listening on audio only, but hey, I don't have to confuse the people with the audio only to whether, whether or not their their device is playing up or not. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, yeah. So the first film that we did uh, is a short film called Spin Cycle. Mm. Uh, it's a film by... Uh, where are we? Lucia Taro. Yes. Uh, GOP on it was uh, Christi, uh, Christy Pushy. Music by Natalie. And the sound was by Elizabeth, Elizabeth Campion. The cast is... Uh, I think I forgot this right. Ali Dussimbeer. And Brittany Forsmo, which is a great name. The synopsis says, 
Uh, doing laundry is already a horror show for most of us. Especially when you get to share a handful of machines with 30 plus tenants. But for Cam, the ultimate dilemma is whether or not she should move someone's laundry who seems to have forgotten it in the only dryers. The consequences of that decision turn out to be more extreme than she could have imagined. Dun, dun, dun. So there you go. Um, what did you think? Um, I actually sort of like this. It's, it's very bizarre. I liked a lot of aspects about it. It's, I think the ending to it was very weird. Well, to be honest, the whole film was very weird, but the ending was sort of just topped it. But it was there was a lot of. I think the stuff that I did like about it, like the, the sort of um, the mu- like the music and the sounds that were being used in it were weren't over the top and weren't like in your face with a lot of it. Um, mm. I love the way that there was a lot of stuff going on in the background. Yeah, that was to do with what was happening, and it was it wasn't sort of made obvious, but it was there so, just to catch your eye. Yeah. And I think that, that was very well done, and I love the way that was done. I love the sort of use of the like the tension and the atmosphere that was building up. Just, I don't know. It's, it's just very. It's just a very odd film. I think it's the beginning of it is really well put together, really well edited and, and cut. Uh, it's got a really good looking feel to it to the beginning part, and then suddenly the atmosphere changes, and it's really good. So, I really liked the shots that were done from the inside of the dryers. Mm. That was really clever. It was really, it looked really good the way it was done. Uh, it, it was really well paced as well. It didn't feel like it was rushed, but it also didn't feel like it was dragging and it took ages. Um, it's great. I, I agree with what you say, the things in the background, like when she throws the rubbish in the bed of this something yeah. in the background that you kind of like, but you don't see it immediately. You only actually see it when she's going out kind of catches your eye as she's leaving which is quite cleverly done uh, but I, I think it's great I think it's a really good it, it's great effects and it's great uh, tension as you say and what I like about it especially is you don't see the kill as it were no you know it's happened it's, it's another one that's been a sort of a suggestion of how it's been or what's happened yeah I think design, the way it's done and the way the sort of and this and as well with the the, um, the acting of the woman that that, that had the apple that had it done to her it was very well done because it was very believable the fear and the sort of um, terror that she was feeling I think helped make yeah. that scene so much better. And it, and it, yeah, the, the 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 character that was kind of like the you know the whatever it was that was doing it to her that character was very well acted and very well done as well. It was it wasn't over the top. It wasn't. It wasn't like you go, you go. Oh, it's another one of those that's going to be moving weirdly, and all this kind of, it was really well done. It was. I, I, I actually liked it. I really liked it as well the fact that because I've, I've been in corridors and stuff like that with the way that that was set up, and the lighting was very well done. It was very sort of like very sort of realistic to it, and I loved the, the angle, like you said, the angles that they had with the camera work 
not just the ones yeah. in the dryer either. Sort of look at the when they were looking up at her and the yeah. sort of ones for the shots for singing and stuff like that. The thing was, because there were some shots with things in the background, when they would had the strange camera angles, I kept looking in the background to see if I could see things and there was nothing there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was you know found myself paying a lot more a lot of attention to well, a lot of stuff that was going on in the background as well to sort of see yeah. if there was any movement or any hint to what was going on. But it is a really good film. I think it's really well made and really well put together. Mm. Definitely worth a watch. Uh, the second short film is called Jokes on You. Now, uh, this is one that's made by Social House Films, and we've done lots of theirs before. Yeah. Um, directed and edited by Aaron Fradkin. Um, written by Aaron Fradkin and Victoria Fratz, who's been in a lot of their films um, producer was Victoria Fratz, visual effects, Sam Evenson, DOP, Keelan Carruthers, SFX makeup, uh, Emily Margaret, and the music was, of course, by Robot Disco Puma, the brilliantly named. And what I love more than anything about their films is the fact that the synopsis is always just one line. Normally, it's what's in the other room. But in this case, the synopsis says... Laughter is contagious. Yeah, it was, it was quite weird, actually. Watching one of their films and reading the synopsis didn't say what's in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was excellent, to be honest. I thought it was a really well-made film, as all of their ones are. Um, what I liked about it was, although it was mostly set in the dark, it wasn't too dark so you couldn't see anything which, I, you know, so many films, here in a dark house or anything like that, it's so dark, you can't see anything that's going on yeah. in, in the background or what's going on. It's a very odd film. Yeah, and that's saying a lot for their films. <laughs> Just a few of their films, when we've done a lot of, we've done a reviews on some of their films, and we've said the same thing about the fact of how old they are. But yeah. it's just, I think there's a new level for them. It yeah. is just such a bizarre film. I, I was saying, I love the content behind it. The whole idea, yeah. I think, is amazing. Um, I love the use of the violin uh, music that was in it, the sort yeah. of build the atmosphere and attention to it. Um, the makeup effects, I thought, were brilliant. The makeup effects, the way it was done, and I actually sat there looking at it, seeing whether or not you could see when he was moving, because obviously, yeah. obviously, on his team. But it, it, the whole thing about it was amazing. Um, again, it's another film we've watched with the people we've liked where I want to talk to them and just make sure that the, one of the actors in it, one of the actors in it is the fact that we've seen him in some of the other stuff. Um, the guy that turns up and he tells a joke to him and he plays their characters, they stuff they give him yeah. so well. Yes. So convincing. The thing, the thing that I wasn't sure about with it, because the guy in, in the house is obviously going through some stuff. Yeah. I couldn't make my mind up whether it was real or whether it was all in his head. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's a one of a good way of them doing it. I think if, if they had done it like that, it was a great way of sort of throwing the idea whether or not it has actually happened or if he's... But it, 
I mean, to make himself happy and he's gone too far. And what I, what I liked as well was that they weren't, I mean, there were a couple of almost jump scares, but they weren't really jump scares. And, and they, but it worked the way they did it, you know, and it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting film. And I, I think it's great. I really like it. I think it's, uh, I love, I love short films that leave you at the end feeling like you've watched a good film. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that did. It made me, yeah, I, made, I was quite happy at the end of that to think, oh, I've watched, that's, you know, I've enjoyed watching that. That was a good film. Well, what I liked about it as well was the fact that with, with the synopsis as well and the way that they end that film. Yeah. It's like we said before with a few other things, it's, it could very lead on very well, very, oh, very well easily, if that makes no, that's not even yeah. English. You know what I mean? Yes. Easily used to move on to a longer film, like to do that, and then the title sequence comes up, and, and yeah, I just, yeah. I, I, but it's not a problem if it doesn't, because it's such a great way to end it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. It is, it is incredibly well done. It's really good. Really like it. It's really worth having a look at. Um, and following social house films, I would say, would be a good thing. Yes. So follow their stuff. Just even go and have a look at some of their backhand, some of their other stuff that they've done, like obviously we've said about it before. It's such amazing and such different ideas about things. Yeah. Right. So on to our feature film. And our feature film this week is a ni- the 1983 science fiction film Brainstorm. Uh, this is Doug- directed by Douglas Trumbull. Um, apart from Brainstorm, he did Silent Running. He was the director for Silent Running and lots of short films, some of them were sci-fi. He was the producer for a TV series called The Star Lost. Uh, he was also the producer for The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. Oh, what? Yeah. Um, the original story was by Bruce Joel Rubin, who was also, was also involved in the writing of Ghost, Deep Impact and The Time Traveller's Wife. But he was involved in writing the screenplays for them. Okay. Uh, the screenplay for this was written by Robert, uh, Robert Stitzel, who wrote uh, two episodes of Thunder on TV, um, one episode of The Fantastic Four on TV, six episodes of Godzilla on TV. <laughs> um, George has joined us. Uh, and it was also co-written by uh, Philip Frank Messina, who literally has written nothing else. Yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. The cast. Now, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not going to read out all of the, the, the crew because that could take us forever. But the cast, uh, sticking to the main ones. First of all, we have Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken has been around since the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, and films that he's done that we would be interested in. Uh, uh, the Mind Snatchers in 1972, The Sentinel in 1977, The Dead Zone in 1983, uh, Communion in 1989, Batman Returns in 1992, uh, The Prophecy in 1995, Prophecy 2 in 1998, uh, Sleepy Hollow in 1999, uh, Prophecy 3 in the year 2000, Evil Calls the Raven in 2002, uh, Stepford Wives remake in 2004, and Click in 2006. Um, 
I love Christopher Walken. I think he's brilliant. Um, he's a very underrated actor. He's- absolutely. Now, um, Natalie Wood is the next one. Now, Natalie Wood hasn't made much that would normally come into what we would study as a way of ghosts and or like uh, horror and sci-fi. But she was in The Ghost of Mrs. Muir in 1947 as a young child and Meteor in 1979. Uh, now, this was actually her last film. Yeah. Um, then we have Louise Fletcher. <laughs> now, Louise Fletcher was in One Step Beyond, in one episode of One Step Beyond on TV. Uh, she was in The Exorcist 2, The Heretic in 1977, uh, Mama Dracula in 1980, Strange Behaviour in 1981, Strange Invaders in 1983, Firestarter 1984, Invaders from Mars, 1986, Flowers in the Attic, 1987, World, one episode of Worlds Beyond on TV, uh, an episode of The Twilight Zone, uh, Shadow Zone in 1990, um, Nightmare on the 13th Floor in 1990, uh, one episode of Deadly Nightmares on TV, uh, one episode of Tales from the Crypt on TV, and uh, one episode of the Ray Bradbury Theatre on TV. Um, the Haunting of the Sea Cliff Inn in 1994, uh, Virtuosity, 1995. I don't remember this digger in that. Maybe I did. Can't remember. It's been a while. <laughs> the Stepford Husbands in 1996. Frankenstein and Me in 1996. Um, VR5, six episodes. That's a TV series. No idea what that was. Uh, one episode of a TV series called Brimstone. Uh, the Devil's Arithmetic in 1999. She was in, in 14 episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, two episodes of Heroes. She was in Grizzly 2 in 2020. That's quite a few films, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Not doing bad. Not doing bad. Uh, then we move on to Cliff Robertson. Now, Cliff Robertson's been around for years. Uh, he started off with Rod Brown of the Rocket Rangers. 59 episodes of a TV series in America. Uh, two episodes of The Twilight Zone, two episodes of The Outer Limits, five episodes of Batman. Yeah. In the 1960s, 1970s, 70s. Uh, 2002, Spider-Man. Uh, 2002, 13th Child. 2004, Spider-Man 2 and 2007, Spider-Man 3. He uh, played uh, Uncle Ben. Yeah. And we have a guy called Jordan Christopher who has done nothing else. Well, I suppose if you, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. It, I was about to say if you peak at your prime, then you probably don't want to carry on, but I'm not too sure about this film. So. <laughs> uh, then we've got uh, Donald Hotton who did Dark Shadows TV series. He did the pilot episode for that. Uh, Nightwing in 1979, The Hearst 1980, Invaders from Mars in 1986, Freeway Maniac in 1989, Alien Nation TV series, he did one episode of, Buried Alive in 1990, he did one episode of Quantum Leap and uh, one episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Wow. Okay. Uh, then we have Alan Fudge, who's got a great name, I love <laughs> Alan Fudge. Uh, he did uh, TV, one episode of a TV series called Circle of Fear, uh, Bug in 1975, Capricorn One in 1977, 
Wonder Woman TV series, one episode of. Uh, Man from Atlantis TV series, he's 16 episodes of that. Uh, did, uh, Are You in the House Alone in 1978? Uh, Chiller, 1985. One episode of the TV series of Twilight Zone. Uh, My Demon Lover in 1987. One episode of Alien Nation on TV. Uh, Nightmare on the 13th Floor. He was in Edward Scissorhands in 1990. Uh, one episode of Quantum Leap. Uh, 1994, Mantis. He was on one episode of Dark Skies and one, two episodes of Beyond Belief. There you go. Then we have uh, Joe Dorsey. Now, Joe Dorsey was in Grizzly in 1976, The Manitou in 1978, The Visitor in 1979. He was in one episode of The Incredible Hulk on TV and one episode of Voyagers on TV. He was in War Games in 1983, Philadelphia Experiment in 1984, uh, Misfits of Science TV series, one episode of that, and he was in Pet Cemetery 2 in 1992. <laughs> we're getting there, we're getting there, we're coming, coming towards the end, only a few more. Uh, Bill Morley, uh, he was in Death Race 2000 in 1975, two episodes of Morgan Mindy, uh, this House Possessed in 1981, Ghost Warrior in 1984, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark in 1989, uh, The Visitor, one, one episode of TV series The Visitor. And then lastly, we have Jason Lively, who was in Night of the Creeps in 1986, The Possessed in, 19, in uh, 2017, and In From the Outside on, in 2021. Yeah, it's so, there's a fair bit of stuff there. Yeah, there's a fair bit of, um, well, it's a fair bit of everything there, really, isn't it? It's all... Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, those are only the horror or sci-fi things that they've done. They did a hell of a lot of other stuff that wasn't horror or sci-fi. I mean, look, you look at Christopher Walken. I mean, he's been in dozens upon dozens of films. Yeah, he's, he's been in almost everything. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes only for five minutes, but he's, he's been in it. What I do find interesting is things like the fact that he was in uh, Sleepy Hollow, uh, which is about the um, the legend of a guy called Ichabod Crane. Yeah. Um, and in the Dead Zone, that's the last thing he teaches to his class before he has his accident and goes into a coma. Yeah. And he quotes from it partway through the film. There's I like that kind of connection that's quite interesting. So, there isn't really a synopsis for this film as such. Um, I, I, I didn't see that much of a kind of tagline either, because that wasn't... In 1983, they didn't really do taglines that much. Hang on, I'll just need to move, sorry. Pins <laughs> and needles in my leg. Okay. In 1983, they didn't really do taglines as such, so it was a bit, you know, but uh, suffice it to say, this is a science fiction film about uh, uh, about the invention of a machine that uh, can give you the experience or, or give you the, the feeling of the experience with somebody else, what somebody else has done, and uh, it then goes on from there. What did you think? I don't know. I'm very confused about this film. <laughs> okay. And not only because 
it, up until the last sort of 20 minutes, it was very confusing about what was going on. <laughs> um, but I just, I still don't know what the hell everything was going on. What was, it, it seemed very confusing because it seemed almost at the beginning that they were starting to um, make a sort of, um, almost like a modern day VR, uh, virtual reality sort of head. Uh, yeah. Head. yeah. To deal with more of uh, feeling and tasting the experiences of someone else, yeah, dealing with their memories and stuff like that. But halfway through, with what happens to the head scientist and stuff like that, and then how it goes on from there, I was very confused whether or not it was actually her memories on what the whole experience was about. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to say what I think I mean it's okay. I really like this film uh, I think the, 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 the title sequence is really good the intro, intro interesting and, and well designed but what I would say about this film is it's got all the usual sci-fi tropes and elements uh, new super invention uh, which, as you say, it's like a helmet that, that gives you not just the experience of what somebody else has done and seeing it through their eyes, but the way they were feeling when, when they did it. Yeah. Um, so you get a new super invention. Government and military try to take it to uh, take it away to weaponize it. The inventors try to stop them. That's yeah. a fairly standard sort of sci-fi thing. But it's also got this link to kind of religion and faith. Yeah. Uh, because the, the last part, which is a bit... You, so you confused about is really about what happens to the soul or the spirit once you're dead and it leaves the body. Yeah. So that's what that last part is. It's the journey of the spirit out of the, because you're, you're, he's seeing what she was experiencing, but it's linked to her psyche, her spirit, if you like. So he's kind of living what she was she was experiencing. Um, it's it's very, very, very. Obviously, now it's been explained as a way. It makes a bit more sense, but I think in the in the film, it misses that a little bit. Unless you're proper paying attention, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's. Um, I mean, it can. It, it, I think it could be a little a bit better, kind of explained, maybe. Um, but I, I just, I don't know, I just really like that kind of mix of, of the whole um, hard science and and spirituality. Kind of, it's not something you see in science fiction films very often. It doesn't happen very often. Oh, don't don't be wrong. I do. I'm not saying it's a bad film. I just it confused me. Um, now I was saying there's a lot of stuff I did like about it. I love the the. Um, the sort of the fact that, like you said, they keep a lot of the science in it as well. There's a lot of hard science yeah. that's been proven. You can see it the whole way through the film. Um, I love st- some of the camera work they did. Some when uh, the first sort of scene when they're doing the, they're showing uh, Christopher Walken being, um, being in basically the mindset of someone else, yeah, like having yeah. having their thoughts and their feelings and their their senses and like played into them. I love the way that they portrayed that with the camera. Yeah. Uh, the person's eyes and screen he was on. I think that was very well done. Uh, the graphics in it as well, I thought, were very amazingly. Yeah. Um, 
I loved actually some of when they were doing the shots of um on the location, like sort of land, landmarks and stuff like that. Yeah. They were going for the the, um, the the aerial views and stuff like that they had were amazing. Yeah. Like I know that I have seen films now that I haven't been anywhere near as well put together like that than that one. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, the, the, you know, as well as the, the effects, the visual effects and also the, you know, the camera effects and all that kind of thing. Given the fact that this is 1983, I mean, they they look really good mm. and they, they don't look that dated. Yeah, I was just saying, it's, I have actually put that, it's the graphics looked amazing and still do. It, yeah. it, it's not something like a lot of films that, you can see where it's, it's dated, where they used obviously the technology at that time. But with this one, it's it's so hard to see. It it was it draws you in so much to it that you can't tell anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there are a few things in the in the film that are a little bit dated. Some of the cars, some of the fashion, some of that sort of thing. But it doesn't take away from the film. Is it's really because it, it's a, such a good film. It doesn't take away from it at all. Um, there's some there's some very dubious moral stuff going on in in the whole thing, like the the guy who gives himself a complete physical mental or physical breakdown because of the fact he's watching he's, he's experiencing somebody else having an orgasm over and over and over again. Yeah, that's a little <laughs> bit dodgy. Um, there's also <clears throat> dubious morals shown by Christopher Walken's character. When he deliberately shows his wife all the th memories of the things that they did that made her love him, at a point where she's about to leave him. Yeah, I, I did notice that. <laughs> a little bit dubious, to say the least. Um, the way they portrayed it is the fact that showing that experience and that time like, can sort of alter your mind. The person that's watching it, their mindset. Yeah. For him to then go, oh look, here's all the good things. And make her feel them again. He's sort of a bit sort of go. Hang on a minute, that's a bit. But then also, he's he's the one who then is very moral about the fact that he doesn't want the government to use this use it to do that kind of thing as a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, um, the only the only bad thing about this entire film for me, ah, uh -huh. is. There's a scene in it where they, when they're, they're trying to get back the, the tape reel of the head scientist, the one she did when she died. <coughs> There's a whole section where it shows you this, these robots that are packing all these headgear and all this sort of thing going, off, going wrong yeah. and deliberately smashing stuff up and they can't stop them. And for some reason, I couldn't work out, they decided at that point in this film to try to inject some humour into it by having the guards coming in when there's foam. If, if some reason this foam goes yeah, in, the guards come in and they slip over and they can't aim, and the, and the robots are squirted them with water. And it's like, why is that? Yeah. In there? It really does nothing for the film. And it doesn't. It's not even get the way, George. It's not even funny. That's the whole point. It seemed I was very confused by that. It's been just that whole bit. I get the fact that they were uh, what they were doing was trying to derail the whole organization and the whole fact. But the whole bit of yeah, the security guards sort of fighting with the robots and 
slipping over and all. It's like, over and foam and that sort of, it was almost embarrassing to watch it. It was kind of like, oh, please, could we just... Yeah. I just, I don't know, just it... I think that's another bit added to the confusion. It's sort of a bit adding into it. It's sat there and thought, what's the need to have that there? I mean, the rest of the film is quite serious and quite sort of like well put together. And then that in the middle just kind of, or not even in the middle, towards the end, it's kind of like, well, <laughs> why would, I don't get it. It just, I don't know. It just, I've got to admit though, I will say for, Talking about the robotic armpit quickly. Yeah. I've used, or I've, I know people that have used machinery like that. Yeah. Now, how hard it is actually to program control. Hang on. Um, I'm just fighting with a cat. Come on. Get, get off. I'll frame off the table. It's all right. How hard it is to control and program them. them robotic arms to do what they do yeah. have it do the stuff that it was doing the whole like the fights and the bits like that to do must have taken a long time to program or even had to do it perfectly the way it was yeah. but I will take that I'm very impressed with the control in it. I just I don't know I think the whole bit with the bubbles just <sighs> yeah I, I don't know why that it just the bubbles were unnecessary the squirting water was unnecessary it just didn't, it no. didn't add anything, and it just made me feel a bit embarrassed to watch that section because it was just like, why is it? Why is this in here? There were a few bits that I saw. I did pick out like the when the, they have the security doors um, locked on them, and the team of scientists and the security guard managed to get through a door which is got strengthened glass in it because it's got the metal through. It. Managed to get through it with a chair. Yeah. The guy that had ordinary glass couldn't break it with a fire extinguisher and had to use a circular top. Yeah, well, yeah. But yeah. I just get confused, but I'm like, hang on. But I'll just say, other than that, I, I liked the film. It was, yeah, okay, confusing in places, but I think the whole hard science behind it and the, the, the factors and the bits behind it mm. were very, very well done. But it's also it's got a great there's a there's a great sort of uh, story <coughs> of people as well involved and the way that they interact with each other is really good yeah. and uh, it works really well on that front as well. Yeah, I think I did like it. I like the fact that as well that um, there were parts of it. Obviously, the bit with the son having the uh, when he watches part one of the. Um, yeah, the recordings and it makes you have a mental breakdown. But it it wasn't it wasn't over the top with it. It wasn't like obvious and sort of. It could have taken a different way of him sort of going off on one. But the way that they were sort of almost trying to sort of hush it, like the company anyway, were yeah. trying to sort of hush it and make it so nothing yeah. was seemed out of the ordinary and stuff like that. It showed what. It still does show what companies can, will do to make yeah. them a bad press. Yeah. I think, yeah, there were a lot of things about this that I did like. There were a couple of bits that confused me and I was a bit sort of, eh, about, but I did, I do like it. Yeah, I think it's a great film and it's it's got a great look, a great feel to it. And the, 
you know, some really good actors and, and, and some really good good uh, characters in it as well. It's really, it works really well. Um, Oh yeah, I, I just I, don't know, I was I was I was quite blown away with how good it was to be honest. Now I I, I remember watching this. Yeah. Um, probably back in, let me think. Yeah, probably back in about 1983. <laughs> Not long after it came out, I probably got it on video or something and watched it. Um, I don't remember it enough of the film. I didn't remember enough of the film to, you know, to sit there and go, oh, I remember this scene or I remember what happened. But uh, I'd, I'd actually completely forgotten how good the film it was. Um, I'm thinking that maybe I have to re-watch some films I haven't seen for a long time and see if any of them are as good as well. I will say as well, for a, a film of sort of late 70s, early 80s sort of film we've watched before where there's a lot of um, nudity or stuff like that thrown in for no reason or a lot of, a lot of sort of sexualisation of women anyway. Yeah. I like this because of the fact that, yeah, okay, there were, was a scene where it happens, but the head scientist is is a strong woman. She shows yeah, the fact, the fact that she's, well, she tries to, okay, yeah, she dies, she dies off. But again, she stands her ground in school, sits there doing it. And I really like that about this film. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And if you, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, Natalie Wood's character is a fairly sort of strong, you know, woman as well when it comes to it. But yeah, no, I agree with you. And and the thing about it as well is that the, the scene that's got the sex in it isn't a gratuitous scene that's just put in there for no reason because it's used as a part of the plot line, part of the storyline. Um, which you know, which in most of the other films we've watched isn't true at all. It's just there for the sake of it. That's what I say. It's just the whole the fact that it was. It was there, okay, but it was tastefully done. It wasn't put in for no reason. It wasn't yeah. over the top. It wasn't, look, we can do this. And, and as well with the way that the like, the women were dressed and treated and stuff like that in this film, it wasn't sort of scantily clad women in sort of very tight stuff. It was what yeah. people would have worn. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting as well now is the fact that uh, <clears throat> one of the things that kind of dates this film in a way, is the fact that nowadays there is no way that you would necessarily get away with having a lead character who's chain smoking. Yeah. I mean, it was just like she had a cigarette in her hand almost every shot. Almost every time that the camera either panned to her or went or panned away, or you see it, she either was lighting up a fresh bag halfway through one or like in the process of smoking one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, would, that wouldn't be allowed nowadays, I don't think. Grand or stuff like that, but not like in-your-face chain-smoking it one after the other. Yeah. Well, yes, it was very good. I would I would definitely recommend this film to anyone out there because I think it's a really good film. Um, so there you go. So that's our three films for this week. Uh, Spin Cycle, Jokes on You, and Brainstorm. Um. Yeah, it's one for the, the 1980s, a film from the 1980s that I can say I really like. You never know, we might find some more. Or pushing fake now. There's bound to be a load that I didn't, I don't like. I mean, I'm not... it, you, you've got to have that one, that one or diamond dozen that you've got to have. I, I kind of, I, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm not a huge fan of the 80s. 
Not that I remember much of it, you understand, but, you know. I don't remember any of it at all. No, well, you wouldn't. No. <laughs> no, it's good reason for that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so thank you, Scott, for joining in the referee and the uh, stuff and what do I call it and thingy bob and all that kind of thing. Glad I could help and be here and talk. <laughs> Next week. Are we going to do this whole thing? Master. What? Next week, we keep apologizing. No, 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 I've got this now. I've got this. I've got this. Next week, we have an interview. Uh huh. With uh, that, I did with Nate Thompson, who, uh, if you've been watching, listening, or whatever for a while, you will remember is the man who was maker of uh, cult affairs and the cult leader. And I will be talking to him about those films and about his future plans. Yes. Next week. Uh, and all that kind of thing. In the meanwhile, during the meanwhile, um, could I just say, in all honesty and with all kind of reverence to Reverend Nick, um, <laughs> I'd like to say Bunny, 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 badger. Um, and if you don't know what that is all about, check out the Singularity Collective. That's all I can say. Right. Until next week. Seven days until next week. I'm going now. I'm going to go mad. All right. Bye, Scott. Bye bye, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Yeah. The Cyphora Film Podcast. Sci-Fora Film Podcast is a Thrave Productions podcast.